Hello, listener. Thank you for tuning into the Future Foundations podcast. This is James McHugh. Uh, I'm here with Jeffrey A. Hirsch. Jeffrey Hirsch is the CEO of Hirsch Holdings and the editor-in-chief of the Stock Traders Almanac and Almanac Investor e-newsletter at www.stocktradersalmanac.com. I just picked up my copy, or at least pre-ordered my copy, of the 56th edition of the Stock Traders Almanac to come out for 2023. Highly recommend that everybody go out and pre-order it on Amazon or wherever else they can find it. So really quick, before we get into the meat and potatoes, Jeffrey, thanks for being with me today. Do you want to give just a brief background on the kind of detail that goes into tracking the patterns behind the Almanac's predictions for next year? Um, I mean, it, that's the st- my family history story. I mean, uh, you know, I started doing these these calculations by hand when I was a kid, younger younger than you, um, with uh, using the Barron's Lab pages and the short little ruler and a red pen and an adding machine and graph paper. Um, I mean, I could tell the story of my father, but uh, long story short is when I started working for him full time, um, I converted a lot of that by hand graph work to uh, Excel for DOS. And I am no computer whiz. I mean, I know how to use Excel and the software and stuff, but, and then we brought it into Windows, you know, 3.1 back in, what was that, 95 or something, if memory serves. Yeah. And now my business partner uh, has, we've been running a piece of software like that we design ourselves that we can query different, you know, dates and years and put in, you know, we do a lot with the election cycle so we can put in different uh, time frames, whether it's, you know, Democratic presidents, midterm years, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, this all came out of a place called Indicator Digest, which my father started working for with his cousin, Sam Coslow, who was a songwriter, um, as an Oscar for producing a, a short movie um, back in the 40s. And, um, you know, Yale went out there to work in the music business with him. And then they came back to the East Coast and, and Sam had gotten burned in the market. So he started this, put an ad out in Barron's and started this service called Indicator Digest. And it, it ad responded and um, he called Yale to run operations. And a few years later, dad said, um, you know, let's take all these seasonal patterns, uh, trends, cycles, indicators, and put them together in a calendar format so that we can um, follow the market schedule, you know, along with your own. And he, he put a lot of different things about, you know, tracking your portfolio and, and indicators and uh, the brokers ate it up, and um, everyone seems to love it. It's been on the desktop money managers since uh, the 60s, late 60s. First edition was 1968. So it's great. People are, um, you know, it's great to help people and, and, and to get the responses that we get. Uh, and it's been nice to have people out of the market, harm's way of the market this year. Yeah, I'm actually really excited to dive into my copy when it arrives. I was looking at the previews for the PDFs. Uh, in preparation for this interview. And it was, there's a lot of detail there. I was, I'm really impressed with it. Um, so with that, we'll segue into kind of getting some of your opinions on on current events. Uh, there's inflation and recession pricing into the market. How long do you think it's going to be with uh, some of the indicators that we've seen, like the FedEx warning that was just issued and the, the dip with the S&P just yesterday before uh, inelastic goods see another big run like we did in 2020? Do you think that we're going to have uh, some panics or some modern day runs on the supermarkets again in the next several months? I don't I don't think it's really stopped. I mean, um, just a, a quick line from you ever heard of Larry Williams? Mm-hmm. Larry's the guy that, you know, taught me how to catch a, a rainbow trout in Montana when I was a kid. Uh, great trader. He had a line from 2020, um, which was when. uh 
when everyone buys toilet paper, I buy, st I buy stocks. So it's kind of like the old Bernard, uh, uh, not Bernard, uh, uh, Rothschild, Rothschild quote, um, time to buy is when blood is running in the streets. Right. Uh, I don't think we're going to have another run like that because it's, it's still kind of going on. I mean, I couldn't find garlic powder mm -hmm. for a while. You know, there's like still stuff missing. Like you see, I mean, it, it's gotten better, but I think that, you know, run on grocery goods is, is gone, but there's still stuff missing. There's still, you know, supply chain issues. Yeah, I was thinking about it. And just yesterday morning, I stopped at a McDonald's and the same burrito that used to be 99 cents or two for a buck 50 is now 250 for one. It's yeah. been interesting to me. Um, my uh, my lunch yeah. my lunch item that I get you know by the uh, office is is uh, used to be ten bucks now it's like thirteen dollars or, or whatever it is. Yeah, and it's it's only planning to go up. It seems like I'm hoping right. I'm hoping with you know November to April kind of being usually when the run happens in a good way that we can consider October as like uh, a sale time. But I I don't know. That's why you know trying to ask. That's so, what our cycles line up. Yeah. Okay. Best six months and October, you know, is a very typical midterm bottom period. So um, that's, I mean, it's tracking it. That's what we've been looking at. That's what I'm writing about to my subscribers and, and followers. Yeah. So you talked about being able to use the software you guys made in-house to check different indicators, run different timeframes and that kind of thing. Um, I'm curious about what indicators you specifically look at. I know a lot of people watch gold as an indicator for store of value. Um, uh, Michael Gayed, who I listen to pretty uh, religiously, he he really watches lumber. Uh, yet just a few days ago in one of his Twitter spaces, he was saying, you know, everybody says it's ridiculous to watch lumber as they tweet that from their houses that are built with wood, you know. Right. But I, I'm curious, what indicators do you look at the most frequently in terms of cycles or, you know, uh, predictions? Um. I mean, I look at the markets themselves. I think you, you see it right in there. I mean, we track, um, you know, the main indices, uh, small caps, the Russell, advanced decline lines, um, new highs and new lows, market internals. Uh, there's a host of them. And then there's any technical indicators on those, whether they be uh, MACDs, relative strengths, stochastics. Um, so I'm not necessarily the kind of guy that looks at Gold as an indicator, or lumber as an indicator for the health of the economy. I'm looking at inflation, interest rates, um, what's going on in the uh, um, you know political cycles and um, GDP. You know, I, I know there's correlations to uh, uh, rates and, and or gold and, and lumber to the market, but you know there's the Baltic Dry Index that people use. I mean, I look at all that stuff, but when it comes to me forecasting and, and analyzing the market from my point of view, it's seasonality, market internals, technical analysis, fundamentals, you know, GDP earnings, PE ratios, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, current events and, and what's going on uh, in, in geopolitics. Rules-based and then current events as what you said, uh, stochastic trends, which I think is such a funny oxymoron that, that we, we really do use. That's pretty cool. Um, so how do you think, since I, my my podcast here is geared a little bit more at young or new investors who aren't uh, coming into it with a lot of equity to throw into the market. How do you think that retail investors or Robin hood level kind of investors could take advantage of a bear market, especially if they have the information, but low on the assets, you know, I like to think of it. I think Ian Dunlap said, you know, it's, it's this whole store is going on sale when the market crashes, but how do they know, uh, what they should price in if they're not ready to make high level decisions or, or throw a lot of money at it? You know, where would you recommend a, a very entry level investor to begin? 
the stock traders almanac. Okay. Start with the best and worst six months. Um, you, you don't want to be getting into to stocks in the, the late you know, winter, spring, if you're not in already, as the market tends to go flat and down during the worst six months of the year from May to October. I think we're getting a, a setting up for a fantastic buy signal here with the, the, the four-year cycle. The midterm election year is notorious for bottoms. We're seeing that happen. And when the seasonality lines up and the four-year cycle lines up, and we look for a, a technical trigger using MACD to get ourselves in. But you can just look at my buy signals for the best and worst months. Um, you don't have to do it with a lot of money. You can do it with the Qs or the S, the Spies or the Diamonds, whatever, with Russells. That's kind of what... What I do for part of my portfolio is the, <clears throat> the tactical switching part. I just go in and out of, um, you know, the, the main stock indices. Uh, when I get my buy and sell signals, usually, you know, sometime in October or November. Um, and that's something I talk about and, and give, uh, you know, teach a lot. And then we, we get out in April. Um, I just reposted, you know, there's a little talk about the, the Jewish holiday, you know, sell Rosh Hashanah, buy Yom Kippur, somebody was asking about it, but it's really sell Rosh Hashanah, buy Yom Kippur, sell Passover, which is kind of like that, you know, November to April period that you're, you're well-versed in. So start small, um, but away from actual techniques, you know, pick uh, a time of, of month or day or, or excuse me, or, or quarter that you readily put money in the market. And if it's, you can either do it with things that you know, um, whatever you know, software company you like, or whether it's Apple or Nvidia or something that you use, or Nike, or if you're wearing this, you know, and pick some some uh, companies that you use a lot, or just start putting money into the stock market on a regular basis and uh, wait for that seasonal cycle, you know, buy time like we're coming up on right here. Yeah. So if I can take a principle away from this uh, to kind of wrap it with a bow, you know, um, basically if you're not in a position to do calls or puts yet, cause you're still getting into there. Fractional shares are a good way. If you just become disciplined, learn the indicators and put a little bit at a time to build on for a long-term strategy. Precisely. I mean, if awesome. you want to get into trading, you know, I don't think day trading is a place for somebody with no money to start, you know, unless yeah. you get some seed capital and you can practice it and you're, you're really you know, uh, sophisticated and, and smart at it, but yeah, start, start early, start small, and, uh, you'll learn along the way. Sure. Uh, current events. Let's talk about some of those real quick. So have you heard anything about what's going on with Germany and the, the energy situation they're in? Apparently they've begun ch chopping down their own forests. They're kicking up coal plants that haven't been in and function in like 10, 15 years. Now they're trying to refit all of these defunct, uh, I'll say fossil fuel industry uh, apparatus in an effort to go green. You want to talk about that a little bit? Um, I also just heard, I think it was this morning, they're, they're taking over the uh, Russian company's German operations for some, uh, was it a natural uh, uh, utility, natural gas utility or something like that? I believe so. I think it's because Gazprom, I could be wrong, but I think Gazprom, when they shut down their facilities, the German government. It wasn't said, Gazprom, it was another name, something Okay. I, I, have to, I just glanced at it this morning, but, you know, my father was into solar way back in the 70s. We had the solar hot water heater on the roof of our suburban home before it was cool. Like, you know, when Jimmy Carter supposedly did that. When it was a tinfoil idea. Yeah, it was just garden hose running through, you know, yeah. uh, glass panels that he heated the water up with the sunlight. Um, but it's been a long time 
for green energy renewables to become profitable. Um, you know, hydro is very profitable. Most of the, the uh, a good chunk of the electricity generated in the state of New York comes from hydroelectric. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of big rivers. You heard of Niagara Falls and sure. the Hudson River and stuff like that. Well, there's a lot of rivers like that. Uh, most of them smaller, but there's hydro around the, uh, the state. So to see Germany go back to the fossil fuel stuff is sort of uh, emblematic of, of the, the rush to get into renewables and, and climate stuff before it's actually profitable. And, you know, cutting off your, your other energy supply before the other one's working right. It should be done in tandem. I think renewables and, and green energy is great. I'm an environmental conscious guy, but, you know, I got to <clears throat> run my business, uh, drive my car on. and heat my house. And yeah, I mean, I could live a, a lot rougher, but I don't. And you have to have a combination of uh, fossil. I think the real answer, I mean, you're going to have to use some of the, the, I mean, natural gas is is everywhere, but I think nuclear um, is going to have to be the future. Hydrogen still isn't um, uh, uh, economical yet. It costs too much to to get it started, but nuclear, and now that they've gotten good at it, they're smaller plants and um, they're less dangerous, more secure. And I think that's the, the, the bridge to the, the uh, you know, save the climate, green energy future. But um, get those thorium submarine they, engines. They got ahead of themselves. Yeah. As so, in California. When you are when you're doing research for the Almanac, since you have the opinion that they're ahead of themselves, do you factor that into like kind of tempering the, the research that you do? Does the EV wave affect how you look at the other markets in a substantial way? Or do you kind of use your own speed of information to uh, disregard some of the trends that are, in, in your opinion, short-lived? Um, we run our own analysis. Uh, I, I mean, I look at, you know, evidence-based statistical information, whether it's fundamentals or technicals. When we pick stocks, we run a screen. We don't go in there with any predetermined bias of what stocks we're looking for. We let the numbers um, tell us what's working in the market. So mm-hmm. we're looking for companies that are um, have growth in revenue and earnings and acceleration of revenue and earnings growth that are undervalued with respect to price to sales ratios, price earnings ratios. And we look for companies that are underfollowed by Wall Street. And then we once we sift through those, and we also want to have them to have just a little bit of relative strength to the market. Not too much. We don't want them way above the market and we don't want them way below. We want them kind of hovering along, kicking out profits and growing and uh, running a good business, but under Wall Street's radar. So whether it, it's Tesla or what is it? What's it? Rivian, Rivian is the other one yeah. or whatever. Yeah, that's my favorite. Or whether it's, whether it's Apple or, um, you know, Scott's miracle Grow or um, Harris, the Networks, or some utility, you know, uh, that's in, you know, region, some, you know, middle America regional uh, or wherever that's, that's doing well, that's what we're going to, it's going to tell us what's working. So I have no problem with the EV market. I'm not buying an e, uh, an e-car. I don't see how it's so easy for, I see a lot. I just was behind a Tesla this morning. It's not my style. I don't, I'm not going to be hunting for chargers, you know, um, places to charge it. Um, but my, my, my son, my older son thinks it's pretty cool. Um, I also didn't touch crypto. I'm not convinced there. I think there's 
mm. something in the future for blockchain and and uh, that kind of um, you know uh, uh, store of value. But to me, it seems like a big Ponzi scheme still. Yeah, I do think the distributed ledger has a lot of potential, but I think that people are misinterpreting its use as more of a replacement for fiat currency as opposed to more of a replacement for re traditional accounting. That's just my my two it, cents. It on may that. be more replacement for like credit cards. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like just you know, not actual money backed by a government. Sure. I want to be respectful of your time. And my next main topic about the railroads is a little bit more expansive than we had planned for it in the okay. beginning. So I'm going to skip over that one for now. I might email you about it instead. Um, just some fun questions here. If you could uh, rule the Fed, if you were Fed chair for a day, what piece of advice would you give to the entire reserve system? What would you um, dictate? Don't, I mean, they, there's more than one. They, they should have started cutting earlier as soon as the, the vaccines came out. Okay. Um, and I think you're doing a pretty good job right now. I think to be less political, mm. I'm, I'm not sure that the, the pause or, or the delay was related to uh, his being renominated, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think like what they did, you know, in Jackson Hole, like be to the point. Tell them what you're doing and do what you tell them. Love it. Uh, what's the biggest kind of surprise? Uh, I, I like to use the phrase black swan moment or kind of eureka situation that you've had when studying the market. Was there anything in the last, I'll say, five years that really uh, shocked you when you discovered it? Um, the one that jumps out is, is older than five years ago. And I was, it. I was watching my, I was working under my father. And, you know, we look at the, the monthly pattern, you know, the seasonal pattern for, or, or the monthly trading pattern of, of money going out of the market. His, his uh, initial discovery was that most of the market's gains are made uh, on this five-day monthly bulge, the last trading day of the month and the first for the new month when everyone does all the transactions. And then what we saw was all of a sudden there's this spike in the middle of the month. You can see it on, if you have a 22 uh, almanac, you could see it, but I can, I can probably pull it up and flash it. It's, um, the you can see the difference here oh the yeah top chart there's no spike in the middle the bottom chart there's a, a spike in the middle and that eureka moment was hey this is all payroll deductions going into 401ks and iras automatically all these mm. fund managers are getting this money twice a month they got to put it to work i mean they're they're long biased funds so that was a big one um i think the uh I guess the the COVID shock was 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 uh, sure certainly pretty amazing. I didn't. I mean, that was not necessarily a market thing, but no one ever imagined that we were going to shut down the global economy and everyone had to stay home. I mean, there's pictures of me and my wife like knocking on our window as our neighbors walk by, like help, you know, like, just joking around. But that is the biggest shock. You know, sure. I never expected something like that. Okay. And then um, do you think this is looking into your crystal ball? Do you assume that this November, April is going to perform better, worse, or about the same as the last kind of big, you know, cycle upswing? I've heard some people saying that they think it's going to be a disappointing winter. And so I just kind of wanted to get your take because I'm gathering more perspectives. It, it's going to depend upon how far we go down here. Right now, with the, the market being uh, negative, I think we can get a, um, a decent, a good rally. 
And the fact that it's the midterm, the sweet spot of the four-year cycle, the midterm fourth quarter to the pre-election year uh, second quarter usually adds some um, uh, amplitude, um, some juice to the usual best six months move. But uh, let's see where we are. Uh, at this point, I think it's going to be on par, if not a little bit better. And I'm looking for a good midterm bottom. But let's see what happens here with this, this current uh, negative climate we have going into the end of September. It's you know triple witching, the week after triple witching, and a Q3, October phobia, and the midterm elections. Um, and if we get a new low, uh, I think that um, that's going to be good for the best months. But then there's the then there's the 2008 analog that everyone's looking at, which I wrote about yesterday. I don't see that as happening. There's been no bankruptcies, major meltdowns. We're not taking over. There's no runs on banks that we had in in, uh, September 08 and, you know, TARP and stuff. So um, I'm not as concerned about that as, as some. I have noticed that general kind of uh, feeling among the the person on the street isn't that the banks are going to collapse so much as things may just not be as great as they want them to. Whereas Um, in 2008, people were freaking out. Yeah, exactly. So uh, do do you want to plug yourself? Do you want people to follow you on any specific social media? Sure. I mean, Twitter is the best for for us in the in the fintech world. Um, It's at Almanac Trader. Um, I mean, I'm also on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm sure your crowd's probably not on Facebook. I am on Instagram uh, also, but that's that seems to be more uh, high school sports and and other stuff. But uh, I'm doing a little bit, trying to push a little bit of the finance out there. And of course, our website, StockTradersAlmanac.com. Cool. Um, Is the Amazon pre-order probably the best way to get the Almanac right now? Or do you prefer people to come straight to your site and pick it up from there? Um, If they just want a copy of the book, Amazon's probably the best or your local, whatever, wherever you buy books, they can get it, you know. But um, if you go to Stock Traders Almanac, you can get a copy for free if you subscribe to the digital service, which is um, there's a get STA tab on top and there's a code in there to save some couple of bucks and it's 150 for a year, 250 for two years. And um, basically, you should be able to make that kind of money in one trade pretty easily. And uh, all subscribers get a free copy of the Almanac every year, and you, you kind of get it first, too. Awesome. Very cool. All right. If you have any final words for the people who listen to this, now's the time. Otherwise, thanks so much for being on. Profit from history and um, let your winners ride and sell your losers short. <laughs>